the last three years, our Christmas offering has uh, given to that organization. We're excited to see that partnership continue, especially as, um, again, somebody from our own congregation gets to be involved in that this year. It's kind of cool. Today is a very different day. You would expect to have some worship songs and all that sort of stuff right now. Um, this uh, meal that we're about to do is going to take some time, so we're going to take up the whole service with this. We've been doing this now. This is our third year in a row. We did it once before a long time ago, and then we kind of repeated it, and we realized there is something really valuable about this experience. I, I think, um, for me, it sets up a mindset for Easter uh, like nothing else. And so we're excited to do this with you. If you've done a Passover meal before, that's great. I think it's a great reminder. If you haven't, I think you're going to um, enjoy and engage there's a lot of imagery in this, and, uh, and we're going to walk you through this. Uh, just to warn you, we'll just give you um, a little bit of housekeeping. There's, a, there's an empty seat at your table at the front of that. Uh, that's on purpose, and we'll, um, we'll dive into that towards the end when we talk about why that's there. If you're at home, you can participate. If you just logged on right now and you're like, oh, I'm not prepared, I'm not ready, you can, you can go online, get all of these ingredients, and come back for the 1030 service. We'll do it again, and you can engage with us that way. But I hope you'll participate with us at home. If we're doing something, you do something. So if we're engaging or talking at the table, I want you to do that as well, um, and we'll make this kind of work for everybody. Uh, this meal started 3,500 years ago, and it was instituted by God. He, he's the one who had this idea. Uh, Israel was in slavery, and uh, God sent Moses to the Pharaoh and said, set my people free, and it turned into this big battle where Pharaoh wasn't going to let these slaves go easily, and so God starts sending plagues on the nation of Israel, or on the nation of Egypt. Oddly enough, every plague coordinated with a particular god of Egypt. Maybe someday we'll talk about that, but it was a way to show that that god really had no power and that God Almighty, in fact, did. Uh, now, the first three plagues, let me read them to you. The water to blood, the frogs everywhere, and then gnats, those happen to everyone. You ever had that experience where you had a gnat fly in your face and wouldn't leave you know, goes up your nose and all that sort of stuff? Can you imagine that for a few days? Nothing you could do to stop it. Frogs, everywhere you looked, everywhere you turned, you went to get some water, and it was blood instead. Everybody experienced that. But on the next plague, um, which I believe were the flies, God started to make a differentiation. And um, Exodus actually talks about this. This is Exodus 8, 22. But on that day, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen. It's going to be easy for you to recall. That's where the nation of Israel lived. Where my people live, no swarms of flies will be there so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. And God sets a precedent. That plague and the next five would only be visited on the Egyptians and there would be this like pocket of safety in Goshen. And so you, ha you have this idea that God was so powerful that he could visit these things uh, by location which makes this uh, kind of an interesting question. The 10th plague comes along. It's the most serious. A death angel is going to come, and the firstborn of every household would pass. This is going to include the animals. So the firstborn animal would pass. 
And, uh, and we know from the text that God is capable of protecting his people from those plagues. But instead, he allows it to be about everyone. And in, in the last plague, uh, the nation of Israel is told to go and get a lamb or a goat. Um, they were to slaughter it. They were to put um, blood on the sides of their doorpost and on the top of their doorpost. And they were to be inside preparing a very specific meal, the meal that we're going to talk about today. And I think it raises a really good question as to why. If, if God showed that he could protect Israel from the plagues, why would you open up the worst of the plagues for everybody to experience? Why wouldn't you protect Israel from this? I think what you're seeing is um, God, God really cared about creating images and pictures for people. These people didn't write. They didn't read. They were slaves. And so um, it, it, they had to have images and ideas that they could really um, take to heart. And so God puts them in this situation where they start to understand that it's going to require blood for their freedom. It's gonna a sacrifice is going to have to be made. And you have all of this imagery that gets woven into this meal. And uh, so God, God establishes the Passover. Uh, he gives instructions for it. And Tracy's going to read you those instructions from the scriptures. So in Exodus 12. Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to hand that to you. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. All right. Awesome. So Exodus 12, 5 and 6 gives some of the instructions that Blair was talking about. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. You may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them for 14 days of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must then slaughter them at twilight. So catch that. They're bringing that animal into their home for 14 days of the month to care for them. Then they're to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and on the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. And that same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. The text goes on. In 1214, it says, this is a day that you're to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. So Passover has changed over time, but it's still celebrated today. And most of us don't practice it because we're not Jewish, but there are so many compelling reasons for us to remember. God wanted to establish a picture of his plan for mankind, so it's worth remembering. And in this whole meal, you're going to see elements of Jesus as we connect back to him with different pictures here. He is our sacrificial lamb. In Jesus' day, he practiced it. And that he also pointed back to himself with these ideas. There's a lamb, there's a blood sacrifice, protection from death, freedom, and hope. In practicing the Passover, the Jewish believe that there is a particular quote I'd like you to think about before we start this. In every generation, one is obligated to see himself as though he or she came out of Egypt. This is going to be personal. This is about you, and this is about me. It's not ancient history. It's our personal lives, your life and my life. 
Egypt is a picture of being enslaved. You're enslaved, and I've been enslaved. Each one of us has the gift of redemption, of coming out of that slavery and coming out of Egypt. So many other symbols in this meal actually foreshadow Jesus. And another one of those is communion, because Jesus, when he was with his disciples in the Passover meal, he actually added that communion. It wasn't completely foreign, but it was different. So we're going to talk about the symbols of communion later. But today, we come to the table to celebrate Passover, and next week, we're going to come celebrating Easter after a really turbulent year. Lives have been lost, and lives have been disrupted. We've stayed home. We've learned what quarantine meant. We've lost out on activities. And we have had our freedoms restricted. You and me, we've been restricted. And we all want that freedom. But in truth, it is honestly nothing compared to what the Jews experienced generation after generation, where they were born, they lived, and they died as slaves. They had no freedom. They had no choices. They were forced to work. We had a bad year, but they had generations and generations of it. They really believed that God had abandoned them. And could they ever make him happy? Remember the gods, they wanted to make him happy. Could they let themselves hope that life would ever be different? And as that lamb was sacrificed, just like Jesus was sacrificed for us, it led to hope and a taste for freedom for the very first time in a really long time. They were able to lay down and rest as they felt his peace. This restful peace that God gave them would spread and it would become part of our story. The Passover is worth remembering and today we're gonna do a hybrid of it and remember how good God is to us. So Blair's gonna get us started. Yeah, I'm glad she mentioned that it's a hybrid. We're, we're going to move through this pretty quickly. The, this is a long meal in a Jewish home, and the Passover that they practice today has changed from ancient times, and there's reasons for that. We'll actually get into some of that in a little bit, uh, but we're just going to try to give you a, a flavor of this uh, because we don't have three hours, and we don't have time to touch all of these, these things, but we're going to do try to do the big things so that you can get an idea of how this could prepare your heart for Easter. So one of the things that they would do, uh, even today, they would do this today, is that you would clean your house thoroughly before you ever started a Passover meal. And your goal was to remove any leaven that you might have in the house. Um, leaven is used in the scriptures as an indication that it's sin, there's sin there. It's the yeast in a bread that makes it grow. And they were told not to have that kind of bread as they prepared to leave and get out of Egypt. So it's the matzah, it's that flat kind of bread. So they would go through their house, and even today, they are known to clean with, um, you all have little Q-tips, uh, they would use toothpicks, and they would go and scratch through the crevices of their house. They'll go so far as to have somebody come in and certify that their house is clean of leaven before they'll ever start the meal. So it's a really important thing for them. Um, so we're going to let you do that right now, just for a few seconds. If you could all find a Q-tip, and uh, you can rub it on the table, and you're going to see just how dirty your table is, um, which is fine, all right? And you're getting the idea that this would, the preparation would happen, but listen carefully. 
This is not about the house. This is about the preparation that you would do in your soul before you would come and have Passover. So what we're going to do is we're going to stop with the Q-tips, and I'm going to ask you to take 30 seconds. I'm ask you to take 30 seconds and just do an exam and confess prayer. Is there anything in between you and God right now that needs to be cleaned out so that you can come to this meal attentive to what God wants to speak to you about? 30 seconds, silence, examine and confess. Now that our internal houses are in order, the meal would begin, um, and it would it starts with a lady. So, Tracy, I'm going to turn it back over to you to get the Passover meal started. All right. So, would one lady at each table kindly stand up? Yep. If, if you don't have a lady at your table, oh yes, you can. Yeah, you can substitute. Somebody can be tapped to do that. But <laughs> if you do, yeah, we just need one. All right. Wonderful. If you could kindly find the matches on your table and go ahead and light the two candles that are there. That would be great. We're going to bring the light in. You want me to hold it? Sure. Thank you. Don't burn yourself. All right. You guys doing okay? Okay. Good. All right. As soon as everyone's done, we're going to recite a prayer that's up on the screen. Yes, yeah, stay standing, ladies. Yes, I'm so sorry. Yes. Nice try, Shelly. Yes, we want you to stand because we are ushering the light of the world into this place, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Okay, so if everybody's got their candles lit, there's going to be a prayer that goes up on the screen, and we're going to read it together. Ready? Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us that we kindle the holiday lights. Now they can be seated. All right, now you may sit down. Thank you so much. So why does the meal start this way with a woman ushering in the beginning of the meal? So let's think about pictures and images and remember Mary. So she was the one who introduced the light of the world into the whole world. So she was willing to actually have him come and be an instrument for him. And if we think about part of her story, she may not have realized the light of the world was in her, but Simeon was a righteous and a devout man. And when he found out they were coming to the temple, he actually ran into the temple. He didn't run. He ran, went into the temple, and he found, he searched and found Jesus. He wanted to see him because he was told he would not die until the Messiah had come. And he took that baby in his arms, and as he looked at Mary, he said to her in Luke 2:32, he's going to be a light for revelation to the Gentiles, to us, and the glory of your people, Israel. Can you imagine being Mary and taking that in? She was the one who was bringing the light of the world in, and so that's why we start with a woman at the Passover. Can you see Jesus in this element? Uh, we're using notes. They would use notes. Uh, they have booklets that they use in their house because they only do this meal once a year, so they don't have all of this memorized. I need one guy to stand right now at the table, 
and pick up um, a glass. So just one guy, it can be a different one each time we do this, but for now, if you could pick up um, one of the main glasses. And then we're going to do uh, two prayers. We're going to do the first one, I'm going to talk about it, then we'll do the second prayer. So there's a prayer on the screen. Guys, would you repeat this with me? Uh, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. This first cup is called Kaddish. And it um, signified God's promise to save them from slavery and to um, lead them out. And so they would start with this promise of freedom, and uh, it, they would follow it with a second prayer. Guys, with me again. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has kept us in life, sustained us, and enabled us to reach this season. Now, I want you to share this with everybody at your table, so take the one cup you had, Put a little bit in everybody's small cup. Once everybody has some at your table, then you can go ahead and share that. You can um, take and drink that together. Then there will be a small conversation around the table, which we're going to do right now, where they would talk about how uh, God enabled them, protected them, got them through this year. We, have a, we had a weird year, but you're still here, and God got you through it, and he found a way to give you blessings despite all of that, and so we're going to give you just a little bit of time to recall what God did for you in the last year that has sustained you that has blessed you, that has got you to this point. So they're going to put a little music on in the background, and I want you to have a conversation with each other about the blessings and what God has done to get you here today. Go ahead.
So you can see why this meal would take a while, because if everybody has a chance to talk and they're excited about what's going on in life, this could take a little bit, which is good. I was just telling Tracy, she asked me, hey, what's yours? And uh, it came to mind real quick. Some of you know this, some of you don't, but I, I, we got into the middle of the pandemic and I was fed up and I made plans to leave. I was going to quit my job and be done. I had everything mapped out for how that was going to take place. And God interrupted that plan in a, in a way that only God could have. It was very clear. It is the only reason I'm here. And so this idea that God sustained or enabled or found a way to bless um, is very true in my life in the last year. And I, I hope you're able to pinpoint things where God interrupted your life and engaged you in a way that you could just clearly recall, man, I'm, I'm blessed. This is good. All right. So our next portion is to find the wet wipes on the table. And if everybody could hand them out, um, we're going to actually take a shortcut because we are not able to um, give you all water at the table and wash. But normally they would wash their hands by having the water, thank you, um, poured over their hands. Someone else would pour it and then they would clean off that way. Scrub vigorously for 20 seconds. No, just kidding. So after they would do that, we just want to highlight the fact that they are cleaning up, and we're cleaning up. So we cleaned our house, now we're cleaning our hands. Um, one thing that's interesting is that they were able to clean up because as slaves, they didn't have clean hands. They had dirty hands, and they had pain when they were out doing all the mudding of the bricks or whatever they were working on. And so this was kind of a special time for them to be able to wash their hands, as funny as that sounds to us. Um, so for after your hands are dry... If you could take one of the pieces of parsley or green that you have on your table and hold on to it, that'd be great. So this was called the carpus, and it was the symbol that stood for life. And on your bowl, or on your table, is a bowl of salt water, and that's going to stand for tears, because a life of a slave is hard. It's full of dirty hands and pain. And when you're trapped by slavery, life is drowned in both tears and in dirt. So they washed their hands because, again, they were free to stop. And they dipped to remember that new life came through the tears. Today, as believers, we're cleaned because he washes our hearts. And our new life comes from tears because of his death. So we dip twice and then we eat the parsley. So go ahead and dip your parsley in twice and then eat. And then you'll probably wonder, is there green stuff stuck in my teeth? But it'll be okay. The there are people thing. who love you sitting next to you. They're internally laughing, but it's okay. Now, this next part is done by the youngest person at the table. Normally, there would be a young child in the family, but not necessarily. So find out who the youngest person at your table is. All right? This will be a little bit of a... All right? Uh, we don't know when this started. We know this is part of the modern-day... Passover meal right now, but nobody is really sure at what point this started. And you're going to notice um, there's really a clear kind of connection to Jesus here. So there's some belief that it started um, by early church Jewish Christians uh, who began to do this. But I want that youngest person to find the matzah. It's the, the loaves of flat bread. They're kind of wrapped up in this little packet right here. Find the middle matzah and break it in half. 
take a piece and just break it in half. And, and then they would uh, hand this to an adult who would then go and hide this somewhere in the house. We're not going to hide it around the church or anything. There's a napkin off to the side that you can put that on. And you can set that off to the side. And we're going to come back to this later. This is called the apikomen. And um, it's used, you're going to see how it's used at the end of the meal. I think it's going to be very telling uh, for what I think it represents. Uh, but we got it set up and we'll go from there. All right, now the time has come to tell the story of the Passover. There are four key questions that are asked and answered in the story. One person would normally begin with a recitation. However, since it's not a traditional Passover, um, we would like everyone to repeat what will be on the screen together. All right, you guys ready? Yep. There arose in Egypt a Pharaoh who knew not of the good deeds that Joseph had done for the country. Thus he enslaved the Jews and made their lives harsh through servitude and humiliation. This is the basis for the Passover holiday, which we commemorate with these different rituals today. A lot of big words. If you don't know, feel free to ask at your table. Woo! Yes, servitude. So we're going to serve someone else. And humili humiliation, we're going to be humbled. So now, the youngest person, again, would ask a very specific question about the Passover meal. So I need the youngest at your table to repeat the question on the screen with me. So are you ready? Go ahead. Okay. Why is this night different from all other nights? On all other nights, we eat either bread or matzah. On this night, why only matzah? On second, second question. Second question. Oops, I'm so sorry. Second question. On all other nights, we eat herbs or vegetables of any kind. On this night, why only bitter herbs? Number three. On all other nights, we do not even dip once, but on this night, we dip twice. Why do we dip twice? Sorry. Number four. On all other nights, we eat our meals in any manner, but on this night, why do we sit around the table together in a reclining position? Uh, these are great questions. Uh, we know that you aren't currently re reclining, but you are sitting with a sense of ease at your table. Uh, the Passover, the first Passover meal was eaten in a hurry. Um, they were not to be reclined. But after they had freedom, they would start to do this meal uh, in a laying down position. So they would do that because freedom changes the way you experience life. And they had this sense of freedom that, was, um, that changed how they ate the meal, how they reacted. Um, this is true about your life with Jesus. When Jesus brings freedom into your life, it changes the way you experience life. And so all of these little things would be then talked about. The youngest would raise these questions, and then they would start to answer these questions to try to fill in the blanks for what was going on. What, why did these things that we just talked about, why were they important, and why did God institute them in the first place? Um, it would start with a group recitation, so the, the youngest would do all of this, and then the group would recite this together. Tracy's going to lead us in that. All right, let's say the answers together. We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and God brought us out with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. 
And, and if, if God, God had not brought our ancestors out of Egypt, we and our children and our children's children would still be subjugated to Pharaoh in Egypt. Even if we are old and wise and learned in Torah, we would still be commanded to tell the story of Exodus from Egypt. And the more we talk about Exodus from Egypt, the more praiseworthy we are. So because we want to make this personal, the words we just recited, um, we want you to just sit back and absorb a different way of hearing them, just for you, just for me. I want you to ponder them just like Mary would have pondered all the things in her heart as she heard about Jesus and being the light of the world. I was a slave held by sin, but God rescued me with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. And if God had not brought me out of sin, me and my children and my children's children would have no hope. We would all be owned by sin. Even if I follow Jesus for years and why sing praises and have studied my Bible for years, I would find it necessary to remember my freedom from sin. And the more I talk about the freedom I have, the more filled with praise that I would be. Can you hear God's heartbeat in the story of the Passover? It tells the story of hope and of freedom and his great grace. They would go on and they would continue telling the story of the Passover. They would recall details. They would talk about crossing the Reed Sea. They would talk about how God led them by a pillar of fire and a cloud by day. And they would talk about how they left Egypt. They would talk about the wealth that they had because they were able to take Egyptian wealth with them on the way out. And they would bask in their freedom. They'd play off the kids and interact with them back and forth. And the meal might go on, like Blair said, for three hours. And although we don't have that time today, Blair would like to share a little bit more about the story. Yeah, the, there were different parts of the story they would share. I'm going to share just one little piece. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that they would share this during the story, but I find it fascinating, so I want to tell you about it. I, I am constantly doing research um, because I'm fascinated by how this uh, ancient culture saw things and interacted with things. And I came across something that I believe is a really credible source uh, that I found very interesting. The fourth question, the fourth question that I addressed about the reclining, that was not the original question in ancient times. They had a different question, and the reason these things have changed over time is the Jewish rabbi wanted people to be having a discussion about something people were currently experiencing. And so when the sacrifices stopped at the temple, the fourth question that they'd been, they'd been talking about for thousands of years was no longer effective, and so they changed it. I want to read the original uh, fourth question that that young child would have asked. They would have asked, why on all other nights do we eat meat roasted, stewed or boiled, but on this night only roasted? That was the question. Now, if you're a foodie, you know that how you prepare food matters, right? But the question is, why did God come to them and say, I want you to only roast meat? And Jewish rabbis have wrestled with this for a long time. They've, they uh, didn't understand why God would make this kind of request. And, uh, and, and then somebody proposed an idea, and the more people thought about it, this is generally accepted now. This is generally accepted by 
uh, Jewish people as the reason God instructed them to only roast. And I think it's fascinating. There's two things. One, uh, when you boil or stew, you're putting that meat in with a whole bunch of other things that get into the meat. Um, so the flavoring is changed. When you roast, that doesn't happen. It is just the meat over that fire. And uh, the Israel, uh, Jewish rabbis were convinced that this, this last question was about God establishing Israel as a nation. And as he went to establish them as a nation, he wanted them to understand that although you could learn from other cultures, you could take stuff in, at the core of who you were, our beliefs, they couldn't be blended with anybody else. They're, they're going to have to be st standalone. The other thing that they realized was that when you roasted a lamb like that, the fire would, get, would prepare what you would use, and then it would consume the rest. That it was an all-in act for that lamb. You would take this part of the sacrifice that you would use to eat, the rest would all be burned up. And, and, and so they wanted to, people to understand that this was an all-in act, which I think is beautiful in light of what Jesus chose to do for us. His sacrifice for us supplied freedom for our lives, but it was an all-in act. And honestly, uh, we wouldn't be here as a church if we didn't find a way to say, listen, we want to be um, in our culture, but not part of our culture. And so all of these images that were found in this story still have relevance into our lives today. That I want you to be a part. I want you to stand apart. I don't want you to simply blend your beliefs with the culture that you live in and get lost. And so all of that is found in this story, and I think it's kind of beautiful. There's um, some other things that we're, we're going to do another part where there's a recitation between two people, and everybody would kind of listen into that. Ben, would you guys get ready while we do that? Um, and, and this would also be done as part of the storytelling of Passover. Uh, so I'll, I'll start it. If God would have taken us out of Egypt and not executed judgment upon them, it would have been enough for us. If he would have executed judgment upon them and not upon their idols, it would have been enough for us. If he would have judged their idols and not killed their firstborn, it would have been enough for us. If he would have killed their firstborn and not given us their wealth, it would have been enough for us. If he would have given us their wealth and not split the sea for us, it would have been enough for us. If he would have split the sea and not let us through on dry land, it would have been enough for us. If he would have let us through on dry land and not drowned our enemies in it, it would have been enough for us. If he would have drowned our enemies in it and not provided for our needs in the desert for 40 years, it would have been enough for us. I love how this tells the story of God's abundant goodness to Israel. Like they're recalling the details of the story, but in a way that helps them see how good God was. I think it, the same is true about our story. Yeah, it would have been enough. And as they told his story, remember they're wanting to engage the kids and get them interested in it because the truth they were sharing was that God did so many things for Israel in this Exodus story. All of it was worth remembering. All of it worth retelling. God showed Israel love in freeing them. And he shows us love, too, by freeing us. He came, he died, he rose again, and he adopted us. He freed us from our Egypt, 
It's radically breathtaking when I think about that. He took away our sin. God's love was expressed so recklessly as Jesus came, knowing that he was the sacrifice. He knew he was the all-in act. That lamb didn't know, but Jesus knew, and he chose to come anyway. So I hope you can see how this Passover meal foreshadows Jesus. He was the sacrifice for us. During Passover, there's also a time to express praise. So we'd like to offer you this opportunity to express our hearts as we consider the lamb and his sacrifice. And if you're online, feel free to join us too.
snow wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. songs so um, the fact that we're doing that that is something that they would do as a group so as the storytelling part winds down they would explain some of the items on the plate so we're going to talk about our pretend shank bone you can see that lovely piece it represents the sacrifice of the one who gave its blood so that they could be spared jesus our sacrifice gave his blood so he could protect us from eternal death they would also point out the matzah bread and remind whoop, oh, and remind everyone that there was no time for the yeast to make it rise. And it reminds us, don't drag your feet. When you want to come to God, let's go. The Mara was the bitter herb. And that was the one that was mentioned in the first Passover. It was there to recall the bitter pain and the suffering that they endured as slaves. It's a perfect picture of how hard life is today. It's full of pain and suffering. We've looked at all those things in the news over the last year. After explaining some of these items to the family, um, somebody would recite this. They would say, tradition teaches us that we are to look upon ourselves as personally fled Egypt. This is easy for us. God did save us um, from our own Egypt of sin. And, so, and then they would say, it's our duty to thank the one who performed this. And this uh, expression of thankfulness would happen with the taking of the second cup. So if I could get a guy to stand up uh, and take the second cup, it can be a different guy, it doesn't have to be the same. If you want it to be the same, that's okay. But all of us, not just the guy, all of us will repeat this prayer over the cup. So we'll put that on the screen and then we'll pr pray. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. This gets distributed to everybody at the table as soon as everybody has some. You'll take this, 
And this is about, this is to commemorate that God acted in a way to give you your freedom. God acted in a way to free you personally from sin. And that's what you're remembering as you take the second cup. Now is a time of thankfulness. So if someone could please kindly take the top piece of matzah that you have in your... Little packet. Yep, packet. And then we're going to pray a prayer together. So you can hold that. Ready? Whoop! Sorry. Ble <laughs> Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his laws and commanded us to eat matzah. All right, if you would kindly break a piece off and hand it out to everyone but not eat it yet, that'd be great. Then we're going to add the next element. So this next element is the mara, or the bitter herb, and some of you may have known it looked a little different before, but now it's like a sauce that's on your table. There's a spoon there that you can use to yes, dab it on to your maro, or to your To uh, your matzah. matzah. And we're going to pray a prayer together first. Ready? Blessed, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by his laws and commanded us to eat bitter herbs. All right, so this is not going to taste pleasant, and we don't want you to get sick, but you're going to just stick a little bit on your matzah. <laughs> so we're going to do something that reminds us that we don't get yeah, to don't choose our yet. own bitterness. Don't eat it yet. So we're going to take this and pass it to our left. And then the person you just passed it to has to eat it because they yes. don't get to choose their own bitterness. And then you'll eat it together at your table. It's bitter. That's slavery. That's sin. Don't worry, there's relief on the way. Um, I want somebody to take out the bottom piece of matzah, the third bottom piece of matzah, and we're going to break that, and you're going to hand that out again to everybody at the table, but, but not eating it yet. So I'll hand you a piece, get myself a little piece. And this time, um, we're going to put a little bit of the cherisote. It uh, looked like apples, raisins, got some cinnamon on there. That was to uh, commemorate the idea that they were making mortar in their rolls. And uh, oddly enough, this is going to have a little bit of a sweet flavor, which will kind of help that bitterness that you had. And the reason it has some sweetness is this is the way they talk about it, is that as the freedom of God got closer, even... Even the parts of slavery that were hard and difficult were turned into sweetness because of what God was doing in their lives. And so they, they remembered that they had mortar, that they had slavery, that they had hard work. But that even became sweet for them as God brought them to a place of safety. So you can put that on top of your matzah. And then when everybody has some on top of their matzah, you can go ahead and eat that. And you'll get a little bit of relief from the morrow. Hmm.
much better tasting. All right, I think we're just waiting for a few. All right, so next is the egg. So would somebody please kindly start peeling that egg? And this item was actually added to the plate around 70 AD because there was something significant in history for the Jewish people. Does anyone remember what that event is? It was when Rome destroyed the temple. So their sacred place to make sacrifices that they would have taken the lamb was now destroyed. So the brown egg stood for a burnt offering and that's why it was that color. So this is the second item that we will dip in salt water. And it's expression, an expression of sadness because they can no longer sacrifice. They'll cut it up and let everybody have a piece of the egg. Right. So it's still part There's of the... There's a fork there. You can use that. Yep. Today it's part of the modern um, Passover meal. We're going to divide up the egg and then dip it in the salt water and eat. So for us today, for you and for me... We're thankful that we don't have to take an unsuspecting lamb into our home and care for it for 14 days and then sacrifice it. Jesus, our lamb, died for us, for you and for me. So go ahead and eat your egg. After you dip it in the salt water. Dip. Yep. Dip it good. Ah. Now, at this point... Um, They've talked about the story of Passover. They've talked about the elements on the table. They've covered so many things. And so they would have a large meal. We're not going to do that. Um, but that, again, the meal would take a long, piece of time, a long part of the time. And they would get to the end of that meal, and the dessert part would come. And there's one more piece of matzah that's still been untouched. It's that middle matzah, the afikoman, and they would ask that child to go and search the house and bring back that afikoman. Go find this thing, and they would actually hold it for ransom. They would give out candy or some sort of gift for uh, somebody who would bring that back. Kind of cool imagery, huh? And uh, so this piece was returned, and they would then break that piece that you have off to the side. Somebody go ahead and pull that back in. You would break off and give everybody a piece of this, but not eat it yet, okay? Now, I, I don't know if you've put this together or not, but there were three pieces of matzah, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the Son was broken, held for ransom, returned, and uh, now gets taken um, kind of with a dessert and the third cup. So a prayer is now recited, and at the end of this prayer, the third cup is taken. So would somebody at your table kindly take the last cup and pour it into the other cups? We'll take this third cup with the final piece of matzah, and since the prayer at the end is long, I'll go ahead and read it, but then the last line, we should all be done, and we can say it together, and it'll be up on the screen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sustains the entire world with goodness, grace, loving kindness, and compassion. He gives bread to all, for his grace is everlasting. And in his great goodness, we have never lacked anything, and we will never be deprived of food for the sake of his great name. For he is the God who provides for all, and does good for all, and prepares food for his creatures that he created. Blessed are you, Lord, who provides for all. God, 
and God of our ancestors, may you remember us on this day of Passover to bless us with kindness and mercy for a life of peace and happiness. We pray that he who establishes peace in the heavens grant peace for us, for all of Israel, all of mankind. Let us say amen. And together, we'll read this last portion. Blessed, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. For many Jews, the third cup is about hoping for a Messiah. But for us, this represents our peace that was brought through Jesus. Please drink the third cup and take the final piece of matzah because our Messiah has come. Actually, I'm going to have to get you to change that. The third cup was about praise as they were ending the meal, so I'm gonna, um, and they would have been excited about that. But if you will have noticed, there's a fourth cup sitting at the table, and there's an empty chair at your table. And uh, there isn't much discussion with the family about that, except everybody kind of knows what it represents. Uh, for them, uh, the Jewish community is waiting for Elijah to return before their Messiah comes back. And so they open up their house, and they have a seat setting there, and they have a cup that they um, have for Elijah's cup. And they would actually take part of that fourth cup, and they would pour it into the glass sitting at that open table... Um, and wait longingly for the Elijah figure to return so that their Messiah will come. They missed that um, John the Baptist said this about himself and about what his um, role was. He said, Behold the Lamb of the God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, he, he was the figure of Elijah who kind of ran beforehand. And uh, I, I love this meal because of all the imagery it has for Jesus but there's groups of people who practice this and don't see him in any of it. And they're still longing, waiting, hoping that someday a Messiah will return. That, that is different for us. Our hope is different. And I hope you see the value uh, in this meal. That as you see all the imagery and you remember, your life was in Egypt. And you were given freedom uh, because of what God did. Guys, I know we had a third or a song planned, but we're going to go ahead and end in prayer and uh, we'll let people get out um, on time and display. Uh, so, would you pray with me, real quick? God's so grateful that we're not waiting for our Messiah. Because of what you did, offering your life going to a cross, coming back to life, doing that for us, we've experienced freedom from our sin and our slavery. God, I ask that you would help us to lean into that with a sense of gratefulness for all that you sacrificed, all that you did. And may it um, well up in our hearts as Easter approaches that you're the Lamb is your blood that was sacrificed and it was our freedom that was given. I ask that you would help us to um, be grateful for the freedom that we have in you. May it ever be present with us. 
We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed the, the meal this morning. Uh, we've got to turn the auditorium, so there's going to be people buzzing around all over the place. Um, if you could at least move away from your table a little bit, that would help us as we get set up for the next service. Thank you so much for being here today.